Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Let's have a big hand for Country Kitchen Caterers for the beautiful lunch. Before we move into questions, I just want to uh, let everybody know that um, the topic for next week's SACPA session is um, our ethics, integrity, and democracy alive and well in the Canadian public service. And uh, the speaker will be Ian Green, PhD um, at the University of uh, York, or York University in Toronto. And uh, yeah, make sure you put that on your schedule. That's next Thursday. Um, going from there, just wanted to remind you all that the uh, upcoming sessions are listed on SACPA's website, sacpa.ca, and, and, uh, and past sessions can also be heard in audio as a podcast on that website, um, and a session survey comment blog is also available. There's a su- suggestion box out in the lobby, so if you have ideas or comments, please feel free to submit them as you leave. Uh, this afternoon. And uh, moving ahead, I just wanted to restate the topic for today. Um, what are the benefits of community radio and independent media? And our, uh, our speakers today have been Aaron Trozo and Benjamin Main from CKXU Radio. And at this point, this point we'd like to invite some questions from the audience. And um, there's a microphone just near the door. And uh, just ask you to Keep your uh, questions brief, just one or two questions, and uh, we'll get the guys to do their best to give you a concise and complete answer. So here we go. Thanks, Mike. And thanks to uh, Country Catering, Country Kitchens, Country Kitchens. My gosh, that was delicious. Um, okay, questions. Oh, yes, now I'm on. Okay, now back off. Hi, my name is Henning Mundel, and I have sort of a few little questions. How um, it relates to one theme, though. Um, how big a staff do you have, and do you also work a lot with volunteers, including training of students? And in that connection, do you have a tie-in with the college program on journalism with, with uh, audio, visuals, and so on? Fantastic question. Um, I'll speak to the human resources end. And uh, Okay, so uh, CKXU um, operates and has operated for the last approximately 10 years um, <clears throat> with an operational staff of uh, three members and a pool of coordinators. So um, my position, the executive director st- slash station manager position, um, has been the only full-time 32 hours a week position for the last uh, approximately 10 years. And then uh, below that are two separate part-time positions. One is Ben's position, which is program director, and then the second is a music director position, uh, which handles all of, also part-time, which handles all of the um, 
the flow of music that comes into the station and how to manage that and make it available to our volunteer base. Um, so the answer to the question about volunteers is yes, absolutely. We rely on a massive volunteer base to uh, do the things that we do and uh, you know uh, put out radio the way we, we do it. Um, we have a training uh, process that's in place. We do three big training sessions a year, which are, uh, and ahead of those training sessions, we put together um, these um, these nets, I guess, these, these human resource nets. <laughs> One is um, for students specifically at Rush Week, so at the university uh, in specific, um, which garners about, uh, you know, 50 or so applications to become volunteers, and we retain about, you know, an eighth of that-ish, you know, in the end after they've gone through the volunteer process and saw what kind of commitment it, you know, requires and those types of things. So, um, and then uh, we'll be doing our first actual, uh, so after this this, fin this semester finishes, we'll be doing a... you want me to give details? <laughs> sure. Okay. Details. Ben will so, uh, the beginning of May, I was talking about our partnership earlier in the first half of this presentation with the Lethbridge Public Library. So, <coughs> excuse me. We are more and more trying to focus on the community element. Uh, being at the university, it's really easy to reach out to students, uh, but student schedules fluctuate a lot. Over the summer, we lose a lot of students, and we are a campus and community station, and we really want to focus on being more engaged with our community. So we're having community kind of specific training coming up in May that's going to be held at the public library first week of May. And since I'm talking about it right now, I might as well just tell you folks that if anyone is interested or is listening on the radio, you can uh, email volunteer at ckxu.com to find out more about those sessions. And then there was the question about collaboration with the college, I believe. So we should probably... Well, I'll just say one thing. Uh, we have collaborated with the, the broadcast department to a certain extent. But uh, actually... A fellow, the director of that program, Ray Burgess, did a radio show, for a sports radio show for a little while. And so we've, we've done some collaboration. The main barrier, I think, is that the program at the college is preparing students for commercial radio. And our radio station, being campus community station, and like us highlighting the differences is different enough that it's maybe not the type of, it, like, it's a hard collaboration to form because it is the same media, like it's the same medium, but the content and the way that we do the content is very different. So, uh, you know, we are interested in working more with the college and, we, and we've, been, we've been by, we've checked out, like, uh, what kind of software they use and we've actually now kind of emulated the type of automation software that they use, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, we're kind of we, we're always bouncing ideas around at the station to to think like how can we reach out more to organizations like organizations like that. But I think the biggest barrier has been that the difference between we're a campus community station and the broadcast program is really training for commercial radio. And I don't think that that should be a limiting factor entirely. We just haven't really figured out. I don't think how to bridge that kind of gap. Yeah, we um, mostly treat, like, I mean, college students are uh, just as welcome to uh, come and be part of CKXU as any other community member or student. So, um, 
yeah. It, so as far as like incorporating something formal with their programs, like that's that's a whole another thing that we haven't quite you know we haven't been able to go there yet. So, but uh, we hope to maybe set something up for the future because it seems like the visions are kind of alike. So, <coughs> thanks Terry, for the question, Terry, Terry Shellington. Thank you for your presentation. Uh, my question can be answered either by the guy wrapped in a tortilla or the guy who can subdue hooligans. Um, <coughs> I'm curious about your the, the percentage of the listening audience that you attract and whether that's uh, how that's changing over the years uh, in the community. I'm, I imagine some studies have been done. Okay, well, I'll start with this one. So with uh, this is, again, a difference between community stations, campus community stations, and commercial broadcasters. So commercial broadcasters are able to put a dollar value on their radio ads based on professional surveys that are done regarding how many listeners they have. And they're called, the acronym is BBM Survey, and that's something like broadcast marketing. I, I can't remember the what each letter stands for, but it's like a broadcast marketing survey. So those surveys are really expensive, into the thousands of dollars. So we have had one or something similar conducted about, I don't know how many years ago it was because I wasn't there. But at the time, we determined that our listenership in Lethbridge is about 5,000 people who who tune in and out of CKXU. So it's not 5,000 people at any given time, obviously, but there's like 5,000 people approximately in Lethbridge that listen to CKXU. And uh, we also have the online now because we stream online as well, so we can find out how many listeners there are online at any given time. Uh, that we definitely have a lot more terrestrial listeners, so listening to the FM signal rather than the stream. And the stream can go up and down. But, you know, I think that we measure success a little differently, and we measure our impact on the community based on community involvement. So how many or the organizations we collaborate with, how many volunteers we have, uh, businesses that are invested in our friends program, and this is kind of where the social media aspect comes in, how many people are engaging with our website, with our events, things like that. So... For us to conduct those types of surveys is more expensive than it's worth because we don't really sell ads. We do sell ads if people come to us, but we do have a cap based on that CRTC kind of requirement of a community radio station. Uh, and our ads are basically an exchange of we give local businesses advertisements, they give our friends card holder a discount. It's kind of an exchange like that where money doesn't actually change hands, but we are helping each other out. We use uh, social media as well, uh, social media statistics to uh, kind of derive some of those listenership um, kind of uh, statistics. So, um, for example, there's, there's Facebook and there are, uh, you know, Google Analytics and all those kinds of things that uh, we can kind of see who's interacting with uh, the Internet-based uh, parts of CKXU, so whether it's our website or whether it's our Facebook page or those kinds of things, um, and they'll they'll tell us, uh, you know, things like that, demographics, which we can kind of draw from, and we find that, I mean, because we're not advertising based, like those statistics are really only good for us to, um, you know, when we're when we're advertising our own events and those fundraisers and those types of things, we go directly to those targets when we want like an immediate response. So. Um, 
listenership as far as the commercial stations go is directly based on advertising so they can put a number and a pie chart in their you know advertising pitch to uh, businesses to gain said advertising so uh, which isn't really our shtick so uh, although knowing our listenership is very important as well so uh, I'm Trevor Page you've answered one of my questions with a listenership of 5,000 if I understood you correctly um, what are the benefits of community radio and independent media? Well, to me, SACPA being an issues-based organization, as you well know, the benefit would be if you can get the word out further. Um, one of my big concerns is that Lethbridge is growing enormously, 100,000 people almost now, yet our mainstream media is shrinking in terms of the coverage of local events. Um, I recognize you're a community radio, and maybe you don't have answers to the question I'm going to pose, is, which is really, do you have any comment on the way that cities expanding like Lethbridge has to deal with a shrinking mainstream media situation? Can I just try reiterating the question? How does an expanding city like Lethbridge deal with a shrinking media landscape? Yes, I mean, I'm sure you watch Global TV and CTV here. I mean, much of the programming is all done out of Calgary. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're losing our correspondents down here. You know, they're on shoestring budgets, yet our city is expanding, so coverage of our local events is obviously suffering. Now, you guys get it out to 5,000, but we're 100,000 down here. Absolutely. Um, one of the big things that we aim to do is uh, do our best to cover the uh, events and things that are happening around the city of Lethbridge. Uh, we think our, you know, not only our listeners, but this, the, that's, you know, our public service, um, such as things like this. Um, the shrinking, uh, you know, ability for Lethbridge's uh, main media outlets to cover those events is... I think probably where we uh, can flourish in a sense, I think what the, the issue that we uh, face is more of our, uh, our coverage, our ability to actually cover an entire city. Um, as we may have mentioned earlier, we broadcast from about 125 watts from the top of the Students' Union building. Um, so we have a plan that's approximately half finished at this point to uh, improve infrastructure so that we'll be broadcasting within the 6,000 watt range within a, a f within a year from now, ideally. Um, so, I mean, with further coverage like that means that we're going to be able to reach a, a much broader uh, listenership, which is going to immediately increase listenership. So, um, as we further reach out into the community to cover events like that, I mean, it's it's just kind of it's going to get better. So. So you've kind of commented on the like logistical problem of reaching our community. I want to talk a little bit about this, the narrowing of the message that we're getting from the media and maybe how we can address that. So uh, there's a really cool organization I found out about a couple years ago at actually a national radio conference of campus community stations called Community News Commons from Winnipeg. And it's an entirely community-based news source. So the... It's like a voluntary news blog. I don't think they have a print edition, but that's not a limiting factor anymore. So 
community members volunteer to create to write the news, you know, and it can be about the slow pitch league or it can be about government corruption or something. It could be like the whole spectrum, right? And volunteers edit these pieces, get them out there. I don't know what the solution is, but I mean, I work at a campus community station, so obviously I believe that grassroots community-initiated, volunteer-driven kind of organizations must be, at, at least have a place in the solution. And, you know, I would say that becoming involved in your local media landscape and creating the, the news, you know, making the news, because it's actually not that hard. It, it's <laughs> if you, once, you start, once you start doing it, it's really kind of amazing and then you can kind of see through other forms of media and see that oh you know um, it's actually not that hard to bring stories to people and also you can start to see the tilt and the slant in, in media more often because I think when you're creating your own stories and telling them you are very aware of the slant that you're putting on things so I don't know if that's a solution but I think it'd be a recommendation if it's a concern to get involved in you know making media locally. Thank you, Mr. Chair. My name is Joseph Natuk. Uh, I'm only about 10% familiar with the audio uh, video or the audio uh, media uh, in, in, in this part of the province. Uh, I, uh, the question I have, and I'm not sure if you've answered it, but I, my concern has always been reporting. In my past career, I was always told to be aware of the media, audio, video, whatever. And the reason being, how accurate, uh, you mentioned something about getting uh, people that talk to you about issues and so on. How much effort do you put into uh, researching, making sure that what you're going to report is in fact factual? It may be in the mind of that individual, but it's really the, is it really factual information? And uh, so, that, that, to me, that's that, that's something I've always had a red flag up. And are these folks really reporting the true facts? If, if you want, thank you. So, yeah, I um, started out with CKXU working on a news collective, so reporting news stories, and uh, so we. S being kind of amateurs at the beginning, a lot of us in this group. We really focus on these, like, what things can we say are real or truthful uh, without, you know, making, like, slanderous comments or misinformation, things like that. And, you know, having practices of being able to cite and source your information, I think, is really important. So we do a lot of kind of edit editorial opinion stuff. So it, you, you heard those three kind of news stories, documentaries, and the, a lot of the perspectives that we take are, what do you think about this issue? What do you think about fracking in the city limits? And we ask people, right? Or And we talk to a representative from the company, and we talk to, you know, and just ask them those questions. So I think accurate news is getting it directly from the source. So... Asking those questions, and you know that whole documentary is really great because Kristen, the one who did it, some of the questions that she asked to the representative from Golden Key were like so blazingly obvious that there wasn't actually an answer there. You know, 
I, I remember like one of the questions was what kind of uh, what kind of pollutants might result from this, and and the answer was a number of metric tons. <laughs> so <clears throat> getting it from the getting it from the source is where you, I think you can get that accuracy. And so you know that that's been the simple formula for us: citing and sourcing, and never saying anything unless, you, you know, you say, like, I got this from this paper that was published by this person, and this is exactly what it said. I spoke with this person. Here's exactly what they said. I, you know, or, you know, I got it off this website, and you might want to question that because there was So being really honest about where you get the information from and being direct about it, I think, is the best way to do that because ultimately, even if you get that information from a credible source, that person might be wrong about it too. So being clear about the channels that information goes through, I think is the most Im important part in that process. I'm Bev Mendel Atherstone. Thank you very much, Benjamin and Aaron. <coughs> I think the, uh, the issue of having a, a public broadcaster um, is really important in in every city, and we listen to we listen and watch the Knowledge Network that comes out of BC, and it is privately funded by the the people who watch it, so it's completely out of government control, and that leads into my question, which is, where do you get your funding? Um, is there any government control, municipal, provincial, or federal? And if not then it seems like you are the ideal situation to uh, present issues at all these levels which are um, omitted sometimes from our mainstream media. So would you like to comment on that? And also it seems that your mandate from the CRTC comes with a ruling of what you should do without any money attached. Certainly true. Um, <laughs> so maybe I'll just address the uh, the question about where our funding comes from first. Um, so we have two major sources of funding. Uh, one is a levy tied to each student at the University of Lethbridge. So currently the levy uh, for a student at the U of L is $5 per student per semester. So it's, well, it's... We just applied for a levy increase, so now we're, we, we, we've got our levy actually increased. So that's actually really great uh, for CKXU because it's going to mean that we're bringing in a heck of a lot more. So if you think about the, uh, the size of the student body at the U of L, it's approximately 7,000 and decreasing every single year. So um, enrollment hasn't been looking good over the last little while. So um, our move to uh, approach the students out about the possibility of increasing the levy was... Uh, for some very specific reasons. Um, so anyway, well that's, that's one source. And the other source is uh, absolutely ground level, pounding the pavement, fundraising. So um, we have six major fundraisers throughout the year, events that we uh, get, um, organizations, uh, bands, those types of things to donate their resources, their labor to so that we can uh, benefit. Now that money goes directly towards um, you know, basically doing all the things it takes to uh, run a campus community radio station. Um, we'll go back to the levy. The levy dollars are uh, entirely 
based on the human resources at CKXU. So they don't do anything but pay for our wages and the coordinators that we have around. Um, whereas the fundraising can, uh, you know, those dollars are used uh, towards like general operational costs and those types of things. Um, another main uh, vein that we, we use to uh, bring in fundraising, I'm sorry, uh, funds is uh, grant seeking. Um, we utilize a number of different sources uh, for grants, um, some provincial, some municipal, uh, some federal as well. So um, they've been really, a lot of them are, are project-based, so they're uh, not there to, in, in some cases, expand our human resources a whole lot. Most of them there are for uh, projects such as like the documentaries that we've been producing or uh, infrastructure improvements such as our, our signal increase project. So, and yeah, just one comment about the mandate the CRTC has given us. I think I was thinking about this, and I think the reasoning there is we're a non, we're a nonprofit, so we can apply for grant funding uh, that a commercial radio station couldn't. Uh, we can access certain types of revenue streams that commercial stations can't. Commercial stations can rely on commercials for their income, and they and they certainly do. So I think. Having that mandate, uh, really a lot of the elements of it are to prevent campus community stations from competing with commercial stations, which is fine by us because we work in the campus community radio sector because we want to present different content. So I know that it is a sort of a strange anomaly that you're given this mandate and not really resources to to uphold it. Uh, but being a nonprofit, there are a advantages in functioning that way as well. Does that answer your question? Is that thorough enough? Thanks. Hello, my name is uh, Knut Peterson. Thank you very much for coming here, and thanks for broadcasting SACPA sessions every week as well. I wonder, you probably wouldn't know if there's a real spike in the listenership when that's happening, but... The <laughs> I... Uh, I can comment on that. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I got there was a little bit of a glitch, and I had to reset the connection. And someone called the booth and asked what was going on. So I know that at least one person was listening. Good. <laughs> what, ab what about when Mike had his radio show? Was a spike in the in the listenership? <laughs> We'd have to check. We we can check the logs. Yeah. Uh, my question relates to uh, historically, I think in Alberta there's maybe only three community radio stations, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, some of the other provinces has a lot more, like BC and Quebec, I believe. Uh, and could you also comment on uh, the ability of Aboriginals to broadcast this? without CRTC regulations on the reserves? Uh, yeah, so <coughs> you're right. There there are, um, I guess, yeah, well, there, technically there are only three campus and community radio stations in Alberta. That's, uh, that's our station. Uh, that's a station in Calgary called CJSW uh, that broadcasts from their students' union at the U of C. And then it's uh, CJSR in Edmonton, which also uh, broadcasts at uh, U of A. So, um, and we all do the same thing for our cities. Um, and some people can kind of, I mean, there's also CKUA in, um, in Edmonton as well. Uh, you know, so there are 
I, I don't think that they're they're not they're definitely not involved in a campus uh, capacity. So they're they're largely just kind of producing uh, from community, you know, listener kind of dollars. They're still kind of using a similar model to uh, to operate as far as their their revenues go and stuff. Um, and so to, so to comment on why we're seeing you know only three of our kind of station in Alberta, we're in you know BC. There's like 25, I think. Um, well, okay. Well, maybe you can. Like, yeah, we can. Really so uh, I think in Eastern Canada, Quebec and Ontario, there's a lot of stations there, and I think you can tie that to educational institutions. Uh, BC, it might be a little bit harder to kind of figure it out. Actually, if you look at Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. I think Manitoba has three stations, and Saskatchewan has two, and Alberta has three. And then you go to BC, and there's, yeah, in the 20s. I can't remember exactly how many. So to explain that, because the population, you know, you got similar populations, at least numbers, and a lot of educational institutions, especially across those three provinces compared to BC. But uh, I, I would just put it down to a cultural difference, in all honesty. There's a station in Nelson called Nelson Kootenai Co-op, and they are entirely a community cooperative. So they're not tied to any educational station, uh, institution whatsoever, and every single dollar that they operate on is an investment by a listener or a local business in that community. And they, everybody, they, you know, you sign up and you're a member of the co-op, and you pay your, you know, annual subscription kind of fee voluntarily, and maybe donate money, and that's entirely how they run. So I think that doing something like that in Lethbridge would be a lot more challenging. And, but I mean, if you look at a community like Nelson and you compare it to Lethbridge and you look at the differences, it's it's cultural. I don't know what the origin is, but you, you can definitely see that a community like Nelson with even a smaller population than Lethbridge has like a lot of community partici participation. And I don't really know what the, you know, it'd be hard to tell what the main thing is there. Oh, and just quickly, as far as I know about the CRTC and reserves is I think that there's a there's a bit of a precedent that's been set that uh, the electromagnetic spectrum is, is sort of covered within treaties. So that is, you know, bands can make the decision which radio, like locally, which radio stations broadcast with there, which is kind of cool because that diversifies our uh, media landscape as well, right? It's uh, almost one thirty, and uh, Mary is our last potential questioner, and uh, so this will be our last question. Yeah. Go ahead, Mary. Thanks, Mike. I'm Mary Shillington, and uh, I want to thank you, too, for your commitment and your passion about what you're doing and uh, probably not getting paid very much for it. Uh, so I appreciate that, uh, having worked in services that didn't pay all that much for clinical social worker. Um, I had a couple of questions about community. Like, I was trying to understand your ads and so on, and I'm involved with Mike on Environment Lethbridge. I'm involved at McKillop Church, and we do a run a variety of things that are community-based, like we're appealing to the community to come become part of it, like our Environment uh, uh, Lenten Series, and I'm involved with, the, with a political party, the NDP. And so what's your attitude or what's your policy towards different groups who might want to use your services for a variety of different things that are community things? How do you how do you decide that? Uh, do they have do people have to become a, a member and and those kind of things? So that's what I'm asking. So um, 
I'll start with the smallest way that we reach out to community organizations going up to kind of like bigger end of doing programming and radio shows and stuff like that. So we have public service announcements, and in our policies, we provide public service announcements, free public service announcements to any nonprofit community organization that their mandate is, you know, fits in with the cultural diversity, promoting cultural diversity within Southern Alberta, and fits in with the mandate of a campus community station. Um, so I'm not going to go too much into what restrictions there might be. You can imagine what they may be, but uh, that's a very basic thing that we do. And then as, as far as programming is concerned, you know, we have a couple local news shows that try to cover community events. We have a show on Saturday called Community Chest, and they their whole show is about covering local community events. Uh, we do this training cycle, and any member of the community can become a Radio Society member, and they can determine the programming of their show so long as they do the training and they submit a pilot episode that gets recorded and then gets reviewed by myself uh, in conjunction with a programming committee. And, you know, if, if it's the DJ has learned how to use all the equipment and do a radio show, you know, you could do a radio show on pretty much any community organization. So we're very open and very much want to have that local specific focus to the community of Lethbridge. Um, I think I have forgot what the rest of the question was. So I'm going to stop there. Was there more? Oh, political parties. Okay. Luckily, the CRTC completely takes care of this for us. So uh, there's a rule. If you offer time, so any candidate that is registered to run in any level of government, any, any office at any level of government, you, if you offer them time on your media platform, you have to be open to offering all candidates time. And the way that we've dealt, we actually kind of a couple years ago we talked about this and we said, let's not sell ads at all. Like, we won't be partisan in any way. We just won't sell ads. And actually what we do is we live broadcast the SACPA debates because it's covered right there. Every candidate has equal amount of time to talk. We figured it's pretty well moderated and regulated. So we just broadcast those. And anytime we've been approached, we've said, we, read, we already broadcast the SACPA debates. You actually, we are absolutely have to cover uh, political candidates if they request. So we just basically have done it for free. We redid our ad policies last year, a couple years ago, I think, and we decided, sure, we'll sell ads to politicians, but we just made the rate the highest. So if, uh, yeah, if, if a party wants to run an ad on us, I get, we've made that decision that we're going to do it. And it has to be equal to all parties. So if any party comes to us and we sell an ad to one party, then we have to have an open door to sell an ad to any other party that, or, or candidate that is registered to run in that election. Well, thanks, guys. I think that wraps it up. Let's have a big hand for Aaron Trozo and Benjamin Maine from CKXU Radio. <laughs>